beautifully as planned. Uh, we're going to just dive straight into um, our expose on Ephesians. I believe this is the seventh teaching on chapter two. The seventh. And um, Father, Lord, help us. We're going to rush through the rest. I don't want us to um, do more than 10 parts. Holy Spirit, you know. <laughs> You know, last week we looked at um, the new creation. Oh, last week's message was awesome. Go check it out on our podcast. It's activatechurch.co.uk forward slash podcast. You need to listen to that last message from last Tuesday. Or you can just watch on YouTube. We saw what... Paul penned down in in um, verse 10 of that Ephesians chapter 2. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So we saw workmanship from two aspects. From the aspect of work of um, masterpiece. You know, the product that is the masterpiece itself. You know, we looked at artists you know and their masterpiece uh, we talked about leonardo da vinci and his masterpiece you know the piece itself the product is a masterpiece the artist is also a master and i showed you that the translation of that word workmanship was derived from the artistic perspective of the creator you know a master creator that's who god is yeah he got to a point in the course of the ages he created another masterpiece you know the bible tells us in second corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 that we are a new creature or a new creation brand new we never existed before we are a new creature and that creature or that creature or creation was a fallout of christ's sacrifice on the cross now if you go back like two episodes i showed you the things christ went through his incarnation his suffering his death on the cross via crucifixion, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. All these different facets and stages. We are important, necessary, so necessary for this new creation to come about. God had to pass Christ through those different processes. If not, this new creation would not have come up. Will not have happened, will not have created. Today we'll talk a bit of Adam and we'll look at also what Jesus did via the blood to create this new creature. Verse 11, that's where we are at. Verse 11 says something beautiful. Say, therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called on circumcision 
by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. See, you therefore, you were once Gentiles in the flesh and you were called on circumcision. You and I, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. If you're a Christian now, you were once the uncircumcised in the flesh. <laughs> you know, and who called us that? He said, we were called uncircumcision by the ones who we are called circumcision made in the flesh by hand. Now, in my Bible, um, the New King James Version, the word uncircumcision and the word circumcision all started with a capital letter, meaning it is a noun. And you know what a noun is? A noun is a name of a place, animal, or thing, right? You know, so he's talking about, he's used the word circumcision and uncircumcision as a noun, meaning he's referring to the Jews as the circumcised and the rest of the world as the uncircumcised. Now, there's a key word that I want to bring up, which is the flesh. The flesh there is talking about the body. You know, when God created Adam in Genesis chapter 2, he created a body for Adam. Then Jesus, through um, Paul, also gave us an insight that Jesus also said something in that regard. When you read um, Hebrews chapter 10, he said, hey, as it is written, that's Jesus speaking in the volume of book, I have come and say, a body you have prepared for me. God prepared a body for Jesus for his incarnation. For his incarnation. Because without that body, he could not have died. He could not. There's no way he would have died. Why? God cannot die. So he needed to be incarnated as man so that he can die. When Adam was created in Genesis chapter 2, he was created, his body was created, and the Bible says the wind of the Spirit, the wind of God entered him, and he became a living soul. Adam, when he was created, was without sin, just the same way Jesus was without sin when he was born but adam fell when adam fell the evil nature of satan entered man and corrupted him and he caused man's body to be corrupted one of the things a consequence of the fall of man is that his body became full of lusts his body became prone to sickness and diseases. He was a man that was created sinless, but when he fell, his body became prone to sickness. His body became prone to diseases. So the nature of that body changed. Now, we'll be thought that if sin did not come, if Adam did not fall, man would not have been able to die. That means man would have been um, immortal. 
you know, we thought that that is this is that is because of sin. It's because of sin that made man mortal. I'm not going to argue with that. You know, I'm not going to argue with that. Sickness, disease, everything plagued man because of the fall. God did not create all these lusts in man's body. God did not create sickness and diseases to affect man. All these bacteria and all of these things that cause sickness and diseases now, we are all in existence then. But they could not harm Adam until he fell. Hallelujah. And when man fell, God did something. When you read Genesis chapter 3, verse 22, God sent a cherub to go and guard that tree of life. And God said something. He said, hey, because man has become like one of us. He now knows good. He now knows evil. And I said, and now, lest he put out his hand and take off the tree of life and eat and thereby live forever. You know, so because God did not want man to live forever in that fallen state, God sent the cherub to do what? Stand guard by that tree of life. Now, if God said that the fallen man, which is Adam, could have lived forever if he eats of that uh, of that fruit of life, that from there that the fruit from the tree of life, that would have lived forever. And he didn't want him to live forever because he has fallen. That get, got me thinking. I was like, so if Adam had eaten the fruit of that tree of life before falling, he would have lived forever. So there's something in that fruit that would have made man live forever. Are you guys with me? <laughs> no, this is Bible study. This is Bible study. So that fruit of life would have made man live forever. And that fruit of life still had the capacity to do that to fallen man. If that fruit of life did not have the capacity to make fallen man live forever, there would not have been need for God to do what? <laughs> Send a cherub to go and stand guard there. But because it had the capacity, it had the ability to make man live forever, that was why God did what he did. Now, uh, Paul writing to the to the Romans in Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 3, verse um, 22 said something. Said, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man, oh sorry, I'm still reading Genesis 3. Romans 3, verse 20, verse 20, verse 20. Romans 3, verse 20. Now Paul saying, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. By the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified 
in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Now, Jesus now said something. You know, what we just read now. He talked about that circumcision by the flesh and non-circumcision by the flesh. Now, this circumcision that has divided the Jews from the rest of the world, which, if you remember, was what God told Abraham to do as an act, as an establish, establishing, rather, the covenant he had with Abraham. And we need to know this. The covenant of circumcision is not the old covenant of the law. Why? The, circum the covenant of circumcision was given to Abraham, not to Moses. Although, listen carefully, although it continued because God gave that command in Genesis chapter 17 to Abraham. So you see, every male born in your house must be circumcised. Then in the law, it was put that this circumcision should be done on the eighth day after birth. On the eighth day. So the law of circumcision was given before the law was given before the law i'm going to say something else here now you, the people that it is not just only it's not just only the jews that are circumcised so ishmael was circumcised i know that ishmael is the all is the father of the arabs so even till today arabs muslims are also circumcised everyone born in the house of abraham most of them were not jews remember the jewish lineage started with abraham and it started with isaac at this point isaac was not born and yet men living in his house foreigners we are all circumcised bear that in mind this is the shadow of the things to come as we move on holy spirit help me help me make your word clear to everybody let me make it clear to everybody in the name of jesus amen hallelujah okay let me hurry let me hurry along because there's somewhere i'm going with this i'm just laying the foundation so this circumcision is a shadow of things to come and it indicates that god's chosen people must put aside their flesh remember what we read in verse 11 of chapter 2 so it's, it's the putting away of the flesh. And I told you this flesh is not a consequence of the fall of man. That man, I'm using this just as terminologies to make a separation, not as a doctrine. And what do I mean? I'm going to use the word flesh to represent the fallen nature of man and the word body to represent the unfallen nature of man. So Adam had a body that was sinless but when he fell his body became flesh and please i need to point this out don't turn it into a doctrine i'm just using these two terms body and flesh just to differentiate the fallen nature which is the flesh and the unfallen nature which is the body hope this is clear thank you all right so the circumcision that god gave as an instruction as a part of the covenant between him and Abraham that finally also extended to the Jews, extended to the Jews, was an indication 
when they cut off that foreskin, that this flesh is being put aside, that the fallen nature is being put aside, that they are being separated. Abraham and the Jews, the circumcised, are being separated, separated from fallen mankind and are delivered out of the fallen condition. And I said, this is a shadow of things to come, which has already come. It came through Christ. Now, the foreskin, of course, you know where the foreskin is. People have been wondering, what is this foreskin? Does this have any purpose? Blah, blah, blah. Medical science have said they have not seen any purpose for which it um, serves. Then the question that comes, then why did God create it? Why did God put it there if it does not serve any purpose? You know, that why did God put it there? That God should not have put it there. It does not serve any purpose. And they wanted to use that, you know, against the doctrine of circumcision. Now the Jews were like, okay, how come man flies today? You enter an airplane, you fly, we've flown out of space and we've done all of that. That if God did not intend for man to fly, or rather, if God intended for man to fly, God would have given man wings. So since God did not give man wings, man should not fly. They are saying that to, you know, you know, to, to, will I say, uh, speak against that theory of, you know, the foreskin has no purpose there. Why did God put it there and all that? You see, if, if, if God intended, did not intend for man to, if God intended for man to fly, then God should have given man wings. So since God did not give man wings, man is not supposed to fly. But we know that today, man, we've flown everywhere. You enter the airplane, you fly. We've flown out of space. We people are now planning to go to Mars and etc. Now, but see what that foreskin might represent. Because a new life is going to come out. Because the, the unit of life, the source of life is not in the woman. It is in the man. Life, what makes a baby alive, is not the woman's egg. No. What makes a baby come to life is in the spermatozoa, not the egg. So, when the foreskin is being caught, every delivery from that man, that was why Isaac did not come until until abraham was circumcised but ishmael came before abraham was circumcised i don't have time to show you romance where paul talked about this clearly so you could say that ishmael was a seed from the flesh and isaac a seed from this new covenant and like i said it's also a shadow of things to come so after blood was spilled at the gateway to life you know what i mean where the foreskin is blood because <laughs> when you cut the foreskin blood also always comes out and blood is very important for the establishment of covenant shall it with god so blood was spilled at that gateway to life 
nine months after or thereabouts. Maybe not nine months, maybe one year because whenever an old person circumcises himself, he will need to heal before he can use his genitalia. A good story about that is um, the story of um, Jacob's kids that um, in, in Genesis that I think their, their sister was raped and Levi and some other people wanted to go and fight and they tried to broker peace then they tricked the people they said okay fine we will not um, fight you but we demand that if you're going to come and marry our sister that you've defiled you and every man in your clan must be circumcised but they did that as a plan because they know that when as an adult even the young kids even need to heal as an adult your healing process is longer their plan was that if they get circumcised while they are going through the healing process they will come and attack them and that's exactly what they did why did they agree the fight will be circumcised so there will be peace so peace will reign will be circumcised and will marry your sister because of the defilement the rape and all that and they circumcised themselves every man did that so they were all <laughs> on the bed of recovery and these guys came and killed all of them why am i saying that after abraham was circumcised remember he was 99 he was an old man he needed to recover so maybe about a year because god finally came back or rather jesus came back again with two angels on the way to sodom and gomorrah to um destroy it stop by and he now told um sarah by this time as it is in the course of the woman you shall have it to have a child why am i saying this the promised child isaac came after blood was spilled at the gateway through where the seed of man with the seed of life comes out you begin to understand also why jesus as a shadow needed to die in the flesh by dying in the flesh hallelujah hallelujah um hebrews chapter 9 verse 26 Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 26 he then would have suffered often since the foundation of the world but now once at the end of the ages he had appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself he sacrificed his body to put away sin and of course in sacrificing his body in dying on the cross blood was spilled that is why jesus is the door into the newness of life when abraham circumcised himself the seed that came forth passed through a door into a covenant of life outside the rest of the world or you can call them gentiles into this new land so through isaac a new nation was founded here on earth through jesus through the sacrifice of the flesh he did this once and for all also formed a new nation a new nation called the church call the church into this newness of life so that's why circumcision was it was important is no longer important now why 
Jesus has paid the price once and for all. So every walk of the flesh, including circumcision, doesn't matter. I'm just trying to show you why it was a shadow and why it was important for it to be done before Isaac was delivered here on earth. Because Jesus also had to put away the foreskin of his flesh, which is his, his body. He died. He shed his blood. So a new nation that functions with God will be born. Hallelujah. And Jesus debunked all these works of the law. When in John chapter 5, he went to Bethsaida, healed the paralytic, after he healed the paralytic, to the paralytic, take up your bed and walk. And he walked and started giving praise and to, to God. The Pharisee, the teacher of the law, saw the man healed. And the Bible was clear in that place in John chapter 5 that this healing occurred on a Sabbath. And they came to attack Jesus. Two chapters later, in chapter 7, Jesus said something to them in verse 21. Jesus said, I did one work, and you all marvel. He said, Moses therefore gave you circumcision. And he made it clear there that this circumcision that Moses gave you did not come from Moses, but from the fathers. I know why I'm pointing this out. Circumcision is not a law, part of the law of Moses. It was given before the law. Before the law. You see, this is just speaking. He said, this is not from Moses, oh. <laughs> He said, but you guys think it's from Moses. Moses therefore gave his circumcision. But he said, see, it is not from Moses that it came from the fathers, talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, if a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath, so the law of Moses should not be broken. He said, why then are you angry that I healed a man, which is part of the covenant, the covenant of healing, that I healed a man on a Sabbath? He now said, do not judge by appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So the act of circumcision has been done away with. So today, whether you are circumcised or you are not circumcised, it doesn't matter. What matters is the circumcision of your heart. So we want to talk about circumcision now in the church, in this new age. We're not talking about the removal of your foreskin of the flesh. We're talking about the removal of the foreskin of the heart. Remove that seared conscience. Let your conscience, let your heart be tender to receive the word of God. Say that you receive the word of God with meekness. See, that's the circumcision that we need to go through now. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. I need to hurry up. Verse 12, verse 12. This is where we're going to stop. I don't know if you guys understood what I just thought. <laughs> I know it's a bit, um, you know, a bit high. But remember, this is Bible surfing. Bible surfing. This is where we just don't drink the milk of the world. This is where we try to bring you up. You move from the milk. You move to the bread, then we'll take you to the bone. The bone. You remember what Paul said in, in Hebrews chapter 5. He says, See, when it was time for you to be teachers, you still needed to be taught. So, for those that want to grow, grow in the knowledge of the word, 
this is the meeting for you. Verse 12 now says something. I'm excited about verse 12. Hallelujah. Verse 12 now says that at that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Hmm. 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 Hallelujah. So let's take it. Let's pieces this one by one. Remember, before we met Christ, we are uncircumcised Gentiles. We were apart from Christ and from God. You know, we were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Remember, that commonwealth of Israel was not found at Sinai, was founded when God had made that covenant with Abraham. You know, so we are out of it totally. And once you're an alien, that means you are not a citizen of their then kingdom of God, which is Israel. He now says, strangers to the covenant of promise. Pay attention. You know, the circumcision I just described for you occurred in Genesis chapter 17. But 25 years prior to that point, 24 years prior to that point, God spoke to Abraham and made a promise to him in Genesis chapter 12. Listen carefully. This is the crux of the matter. In Genesis chapter 12, God spoke to Abraham and made a promise to him. What was the promise? Those promise to Abraham, we are giving to Abraham by the word of God. He said to Abraham, get up. It's time to move your father's place, kindred, and all that. And go to a land I will show you. He said, I will bless you. I will do this. Your kids, your seed shall be blessed. But through your seed, the entire world will be blessed. He made a lot of pronunciation by speaking. So, those were promises that God gave to Abraham through his word. So, the source of the promise of God is his word. So you can say his covenants are his promises and his promises are his word. So apart from the word, there is no promise. So when you take the Bible, every promise you see there or every word you see there is a promise. And every promise you see there is the word of God. So you cannot separate God's word from his promise. Neither can you separate his promise from his word. Now listen to this. But every promise becomes a covenant after it must have gone through a legalized process. And the legalized shedding of blood. I'll say that again. Every promise becomes a covenant until it goes through a legal process. That legal process involves the shedding of blood. Now you begin to understand why I took time to explain circumcision. 
In in Genesis 15, Abraham said, God, you've been saying, you've been saying, you've been promising, you've been promising, you've been giving me lyrics, 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 lyrics. He now said to God, how then would I know that all these words, these promises, these lyrics you've been giving me will surely happen? As powerful as the word of God is, and you know it's powerful, the Bible says that the heaven and earth will disappear, but God's word will not. So you see, whenever he gives his word, that the word will not return back to him, void, until it accomplishes everything for which it was sent. So the word of God is potent. The word of God is powerful. And yet the man said, this, this, this lyrics is too much. How will I know? That everything you said will come to pass. And God said, fine, I'll get you. I understand you. <laughs> so go get me a high, uh, a, a total dove of three years. Get this one of three more years. And bought three things that had three in them. Represent the Trinity. He said, call them up. Call them. He did that. He said, put them, you know, spread them on the altar. He said, make sure that no birds and all that happened. He did all that. And the Bible says that, you know, the twilight or something like that, that God, a light, passed through them. That is like God passing through them. So God used that to cut a covenant from his own end. Now, remember, covenant involves two parties. And Abraham came down. And yet, nothing happened. Nothing happened. God did his part, and yet nothing happened. Years down the line, where we just I just read for you in Genesis chapter 17, another covenant was struck. Now, this covenant now had to do with Abraham doing his own part, spilling his own blood to legalize the process. Which he now did. You know, remember, all this from the Old Testament are shadows of things to come. When Jesus came as man, he came as man to stand on our behalf. So he needed to also die on the cross as that lamb for sacrifice. In the old covenant, in the old covenant, when the law was given to Moses and all that, God said, fine, we have to be shedding this blood, the blood of animal, every year, so my own covenant with one of Israel will be renewed. So every year they needed to renew it. But when Jesus came, there was no need for renewal. It was once and for all. But Jesus needed to move all the promises of God to covenant and it is not done except blood is shed. Abraham, the blood of the turtle dove and other was shed. Uh, uh, Abraham had to bleed from his genitalia. Jesus needed to die on the cross to establish all these promises 
and move it from just promises to a covenant. You now begin to understand Hebrews chapter 6 again, again, again. I'm going to read it for you from verse 13. The Bible says, For when God made the promise to Abraham, because he could not swear by any greater than himself, he swore by himself. Verse 14 says, Saying, Surely, blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. Verse 15 says, And so, after Abraham had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Verse 16 says, For men, the problem is with men. God gave his word, but Abraham could not just hold on to that alone. Say for men, for men, for men. Indeed, swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is for them, for men, an end of all dispute. God knows about man. He knows our frame. He knows that, you know, Covenant, covenant, covenant ends all disputes. In those days, when our man says, Walaita well, lie, his intention is to end this conversation. Because once he says that, that's the end of the conversation. Those days, not now. Because when you swear an oath, which is a covenant, it settles every matter. The Bible now says that when man swears by a greater, it is an end of every controversy. It's an end of every dispute. The next verse now says, Thus, God. So, God wanting to oblige man, God wanting to oblige Abraham, moved all his promises to a covenant. Therefore, us in the New Testament, God wanted to oblige us, moved his promises as well into an everlasting covenant. By the death, the sacrificing of his son, because covenants, 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 spiritual covenants are sealed by blood. That is why when you go to a Babalawo seeking wealth, they will always ask for something that will yield blood. Either a goat, an animal, then depending on what you're asking for, they can even upgrade to a human being. Why? Blood! The Bible says that the life of every animal is in the blood. So that spilling of blood is representative of spilling of a life. That is what seals the covenant. That is what seals the covenant. The Bible says that God, first God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise. We are the ones he gave his word to. We are the ones that are supposed to inherit all the promises. All the beautiful things God has said, God has said in his word. You cannot be sick. You will prosper. Your God and coming in will be blessed. You will this. Name all the promises in the Bible. God was more zealous. Hallelujah. Knowing man was more zealous. He said, wanted to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise, which we are today. What did he do? He said he wanted to show us the immutability of his counsel. Did what? Confirmed it by an oath. Confirmed it by a covenant. 
I like the way um, NLT put that verse in verse 17. It says, God also bound himself. Hey, the almighty God, the almighty God subjected himself to a covenant, bound himself with an oath, with an oath, so that, why did he do that? So that those, me and you, who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never, ever change his mind. My brothers and sisters, listen to me clearly. God will never, ever change his mind about you. Everything he has said concerning you, he must bring it to pass. Hmm. Everything he has spoken to you, he must bring it to pass. Do you know why he will bring it to pass? First, because he has given his word. But more so, he has sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross. Because Jesus gave his life on the cross. We are certain that every promise of God must surely come to pass. I don't know which promise of God you are holding on to. Is it a promise for life? Is it a promise that you will prosper? You are struggling, wondering. You just want to leave the level where you are. I want to move to another level of finances. Hey, hey, hey. The key is the covenant. That's why tomorrow, 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 tomorrow's prayer meeting. We are going to wage war against poverty. We are going to wage war against scarcity. We are going to wage war against, you know, just living enough to pay your bills. Once you pay your bills and do one or two things, you don't have extra. Glory <laughs> to God. See, there's a place of more than enough. Then there's a place of just enough. A lot of us are still in the realm of just enough. Where you want to pay your bills, that is it. You just have little just to survive on. Till the next paycheck. People are living from paycheck to paycheck. That is not a covenant. The covenant states. States. What did he state? The covenant states that a righteous man will lay up treasure for his children, children. That is what the covenant says. Tomorrow, we are going to bring the force of the covenant, particularly when it comes to finances, in our prayer meeting. By 8 o'clock tomorrow, whatever you are doing tomorrow, don't miss it if you are interested in, in prosperity. Maybe you are okay, you are comfortable, all your needs are met, you have billions and millions in your account, you have trust funds for all your children and grandchildren, no problem, you are not the one that this meeting is for. But if you know that you are aware that you are not comfortable with as regards finances, hey, we are going to hold God on his conference to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promises you and I. The immutability of his counsel, the unchangeability of his word. 
What was the covenant that God cut with us? He gave his son. He, God, listen to me, it's not the Roman soldiers that killed Jesus. It is God that did that. The Bible told us clearly in Isaiah 53. He said, it pleased God, the Father, to bruise his son. Hey! Hey! How can a father do that to his only son? Only begotten son. And yet, the Bible said that while his only begotten son was going through that punishment, the father himself was pleased. In my Bible, I circled that word, pleased, meaning God was happy. He was full of joy to see his son suffer. Why was God joyful to see his son suffer? Because when he looks and he saw Pastor B in the future, hey, what, how he will be snatched from uncircumcision, how he will be snatched from living in the course of the world, how he will be snatched from the dominion of Satan and translated me to the kingdom of his dear son. He was happy to see Jesus bruised. When he saw Prophet Elijah, how he's going to be established and be a man of renown in the future, he pleased God to bruise Jesus. When he looked and saw Akachuku, how he's going to be a great businessman, a man of high network in the future, he pleased the father to bruise his son. He pleased the father. When he saw that Obi will increase and expand, he pleased the father to bruise his son. Hey! He pleased the father to bruise his son. That is what moved the lyrics, the promises, the word into a covenant. And the covenant of God Whenever he makes a covenant with you, it can not be broken. It cannot. It cannot be broken. <laughs> Glory be to God. Glory be to This is where I stop. It cannot be broken. Well, let me just finish reading there. In verse 18, I said, By two immutable things, it is impossible for God to lie. His word and his promise. Verse 18 says, so that God has given us his promise. But he saw the promise will not be enough. <laughs> Just as it wasn't enough with Abraham. Not because God cannot just deal with his word. Because his word, like I've told you, must come to pass. It's because of us, man, 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 man. The nature of man. <laughs> you, can, you can go and wrap a girl. Rap the girl, I love you, the apple of my eye, you are this, you are that. Rap the girl, the girl will fall, get up. You rap again, she will fall, she will get up. You you blow her another lyrics, she will fall, she will get up. You can rap her from now till tomorrow. If you don't take her to the altar, give her a ring, <laughs> and cut a covenant with her, it will get to a point. All those your lyrics will mean nothing to her. That is why you see videos of women proposing to men. Why? The man has, the man has been rapping, 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 telling her all sorts of things, doing all sorts of things for her. But it is not enough. She wants to be wifed. 
That is a covenant. That's how I call marriage a covenant. So because man, man, promises might not be enough for a man. God said, fine, even though my world will not, will not fall to the ground, I'm going to cut a covenant with you. That's where the covenant, covenant of circumcision came into place between him and Abraham for the establishment of the nation of Israel. Then the covenant, Passover and all that for the establishment of, of uh, the law and all that. Then for us, the church, the covenant, which is the everlasting covenant, which is the one and for all covenant, was also given through Jesus Christ to establish his word. That is why there is no word God has said to you, about you, that can ever fall to the ground. If you believe that, shout a big Amen. 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 Oh, he said, therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge. Hallelujah. So, therefore, so we would have fled to him for refuge can have what great confidence as we hold on to the hope that lies before us. So, tomorrow we're going to bring that covenant. We're going to bring the communion. Prepare for communion. Any, we're going to wage war against finances. And we are not coming just on ourselves or by ourselves. We are going to come. We're going to come with the blood covenant that was cut for us, that was instituted when the blood of Jesus was shed for us on Calvary. And this is why verse 19 says, This hope we have as an anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast. So covenant, that's why communion is so important. Whenever you come to the communion table, you are reenacting the covenant. You are doing what? You are anchoring your soul again in the work, the finished work of Jesus Christ. And he gives us boldness. He said, and both shall and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. He gives us boldness to come before God behind the veil boldly and demand what he had already promised us. Glory be to God.